From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. This broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is bringing a series of studies in the earthly life of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that will give us insights into the various aspects of our Lord's temporal ministry, from His teaching and miracles to His atoning death on the cross and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is called, He Came, He is Coming. The text is Acts chapter 1 and verse 11. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Many are celebrating our Lord's first coming this day. Let us turn our thoughts to the promise of His second coming. This is as sure as the first advent, and derives a great measure of its certainty from it. He who came as a lowly man to serve will assuredly come to take the reward of His service. He who came to suffer will not be slow in coming to reign. This is our glorious hope, for we shall share his joy. Today we are in our concealment and humiliation, even as he was while here below. But when he cometh, it will be our manifestation, even as it will be his revelation. Dead saints shall live at his appearing. The slandered and despised shall shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Then shall the saints appear as kings and priests, and the days of their mourning shall be ended. The long rest and inconceivable splendor of the millennial reign will be an abundant recompense for the ages of witnessing and warring. Oh, that the Lord would come! He is coming! He is on the road and traveling quickly. The sound of His approach should be as music to our hearts. Ring out, ye bells of hope!
and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. From all of us that let the Bible speak, may you have a blessed and Christ-filled Christmas. On today's edition of Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns continues this series of studies in the life and earthly ministry of Christ as he concludes the first of two messages entitled, The Divine Teacher. The text is found in portions of Matthew chapter 13. This chapter adds much to our knowledge of the person and the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was at this point in his earthly ministry that Jesus departed from direct teaching of the Jews and began to employ parables. This puzzled the disciples, and they asked the Lord why he used parables. As Dr. Cairns will explain, Christ's use of parables showed that he is sovereign in salvation. At the same time, he holds sinners responsible for their sins. To true seekers after truth, they revealed the way to heaven. To those who refused Christ, parables confirmed their blindness. Now Dr. Cairns concludes the first message on the theme, The Divine Teacher. What is this natural world? 
It's the environment in which the Lord Jesus Christ executes the plan of redemption. That's what it is. Therefore, its true purpose is to reflect Christ and His saving plan and grace. I can only touch on some of these things this morning, but a proper reading of the world will always lead to God and will always lead to admonish us to prepare for eternity through Christ. And that's the reason he could take the things like a seed that in some ways... In some ways, and this is why you can't press parables to every detail. They're not meant to be pressed to every detail. He takes a seed that in some ways cannot be a picture of the Word of God and uses it as a picture of the Word of God. I say it cannot be because, let me give you the most outstanding, the easiest one to see. Take a big seed. Do you ever plant potatoes? Yeah, well, I have had uh, enough of that in my lifetime as a young fellow, planting potatoes. We're still weeding them and then digging them by hand. No tillers, or I couldn't use a tiller, I never had to use it, but I could use a spade. But here's the thing. When you took up the potatoes, the seed was rotten. It was dead. It was filthy mush and unusable. Its life was gone. That's not true of the Word of God. It's incorruptible. But yet, notwithstanding that, the Lord Jesus, because he is not speaking of the seed in isolation as a picture of the Word, He's speaking of the sower sowing the seed and it producing various results in various environments. And that's what makes it right. He has created the one and he has created the other and he has created the bridge between them and the fitness of the one to illustrate the other. He is the Lord of creation. He is the Lord of redemption. And... In doing all this, he establishes his own central authority and significance. Here's another big point. He is the absolute Christ. Nothing exists apart from him. Everything exists for him. Everything has its place that he has given it. Everything has the purpose that he has given it. And listen... This opens up a big door that I'm not going to go through, at least very far. This, he establishes the meaning, the meaning of every creature's existence. We live in a day when people are yearning for meaning, meaning to life. Let me tell you, The meaning of your life and mine is what Christ has given it. That's true even of those who deny him. Paul says in Romans 11, 36, 
For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Now, to some I will have to apologize, maybe to all, for I'm very much aware that I have been jumping, touching great, great issues. I have not tried to weave them together in a coherent theological lecture. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to try and give you a glimpse of Christ, the Lord of creation, the Lord of redemption, the one for whom all things exist and who gives real meaning and purpose to everything that does exist. But now let me bring it down to a level that all of us can grasp immediately and take this truth into our own lives and into our own occupations. You see, it doesn't matter. This gets back to the, the theology of the old Puritans in many ways. Let me back up before I say it doesn't matter. I'm all in favor of us getting all the education we can, pursuing the best positions we can, doing the best for our families we can, all those things. But you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Ultimately, I'm not saying in the short term, in relationships, it doesn't matter. But I'm saying in real terms, it doesn't matter whether you have an IQ of 85 or you have the IQ of a genius. It doesn't matter whether you're a CEO or you're like a young man with very few brains that I know in Belfast who takes a brush and brushes the streets as an employee of the council for a living. That doesn't matter. The Lord Jesus Christ, your Lord, is the one who makes it worthwhile living, whether your IQ is 85 or 200, if you could have it. He's the one that gives meaning and purpose and power and usefulness to your life, whether you're a millionaire or a pauper, whether you reach millions, or whether as a mother in the home you spend your whole life on one, two, three, or four children, or whatever. Nothing could be more mundane than a man trudging over the countryside, reaching into a bag and scattering seed. Nothing could be more mundane than that. Nothing could be more mundane than a few rough Galileans taking a net and throwing it from their ship to haul in a few fish. Yet the Lord Jesus Christ used these things to convey eternal truth and glorify himself. He adapted these things from every day life to the truths of his gospel. They became his servants. They became his reflectors. And you know, at the end of the day, if he can take my life and make it his servant, if he can take my life, my home, my family, my experience, my words, my actions, if he can take those and make them reflectors of his glory. I have lived well. 
you'll see immediately he takes these things and beyond their obvious mundane functions, he gives them a higher office. And that's to serve and show forth Christ and his gospel. This is true of every created thing, but particularly it's true of you and me. Now I really have dilemma time that I think I will at least postpone and maybe drop forever according to what the, the Lord's will is. Because the disciples asked a question that I wanted us to have time to answer this morning as Jesus answered it. And we don't really have the time. And that is, why do you speak in parables? And his answer is a, such an answer that the greatest scholars have been fighting over it ever since. I have come to the conclusion that his answer teaches that he is the sovereign in salvation, and yet he holds sinners responsible for their sins. We may get to that in detail later on. We may, we may not. We don't know. And I include me in that. The Lord's will be done. What I hope this morning is that you have seen something of the glory of the Lord Jesus. That you've seen the absolute necessity of vital godliness that you are rightly related to him, that you are truly in his kingdom. I trust that you have seen that if you're not saved, you're headed, however you're accepted in the church, you're headed for certain and terrible judgment, and it's time to get right with God. I trust that you have seen that if you're a Christian, your greatest function in life is to see Christ, the Lord of creation and the Lord of redemption, and say, Lord, let me behold your glory and let me reflect it and serve your purpose in this world of sin. There is an old song I don't know if it reached the charts in the United States. I didn't live here then. It was a popular song, but not a rock song. It was sung by a British comedian who could have been an opera singer by the name of Harry Seacombe. A magnificent tenor voice. A Welshman. And Harry Seacombe sang this song. It sounded good, but and there's some truth in it. If I can help somebody, if I can help somebody, then my living will not be in vain. Let us as Christians this morning lift that to an infinitely higher plane. If I can serve the purposes my Savior, if I can show forth the glory 
of my Redeemer, whatever my station in life, then my living will not be in vain. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our gracious God and our Father in heaven, we acknowledge Thee as our almighty God and King. And with unfeigned sincerity, we confess to Thee that we have sinned against heaven and in Thy sight, and have so often gone through this world blind to the fact that it's God's world, it's God's creation. We have gone through this world blind to the fact that both the things around us and we ourselves exist for no greater reason or purpose than to bring glory unto Thee. We confess, O God, that therefore we have often lived our lives, even when most professing godliness, we have lived our lives in selfishness, self-centeredness, and in rebellion against thy central revelation. Lord, thou hast said that thou wilt forgive those who confess. Forgive us our sins today. And, O oh God, we ask thee to take what we have learned concerning our blessed Savior and Redeemer and write these truths upon our hearts. Take these things, O oh Lord, and by them conform us to Christ's image. O oh, Thou who art all glorious, show Thy glory to us and through us. We want the power of vital godliness. We long to bring forth fruit according to the capacity that Thou hast given us. We want to bring forth fruit unto the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to magnify his name, glorify his person and work. O oh God, our Father, take our lives and use them in this noble cause of Christ. Let us not live in vain. Speak the word to those who have the appearance but not the vital reality of saving faith in Christ. Speak to those who are careless about their condition, who give up Christ for the cares of the world because they love those things and don't love him. Lord, we pray, give genuine saving faith Grant that Thou will prepare hearts to make them good ground for the word of Thy truth this morning. Now, Lord, we pray, part us with Thy blessing. Keep us in the very center of Thy will. Give us a single eye to Thy glory. And keep us reminding ourselves, yea, Lord, keep stamping it upon our conscience that we exist 
for thee and have no higher purpose than to glorify our triune Jehovah. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 